Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hummus Sailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. We are having a little bonus episode here to kind of set the stage for the last month of the season, looking at the first college football playoff rankings of 2022. Now, before I get started, I just want to acknowledge I'm very aware that in the beautiful world of social media, just like just about anything, we have two groups uh, that are the loudest on both extreme sides of the spectrum. Uh, the first group being the people who like to get really pissed off about the rankings and act like it's a big deal. And the other group who is just as loud and annoying that loves to come back and say, oh, this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until the last one. Both are a little bit true. Um, we at Hummus Tailgate Party sit somewhere in the middle because I think, yes, the, fi- the rankings right now don't matter that much, but they're not totally insignificant either um, because, you know, if you're the number one through four team, then you're sitting a lot prettier than if you're the, let's say, number 17 team only with one loss and you still have a chance to make the playoff. However, even though they can do whatever they want between the second to last ranking and the final ranking, you're probably a lot more likely to get into the poll if you're already up sitting, if not in the top four, somewhere close to it. So you don't have to climb and jump ahead of a dozen other teams that are winning most of their games uh, to get yourself into the playoff because there's always a handful of one-loss teams. And if you're a one-loss team sitting at 17 versus where Alabama is at number six, you just have a less likely chance to get in, you know, and you probably earn that number 17 ranking, uh, which is why you're there in the first place. However, that means that these rankings aren't completely insignificant. So we're just going to chit chat about them real informally here for a few minutes. No two-loss team has ever made the playoff, so if we're going by that as being the cutoff, then right now we have 13 different teams that could make it into our final four-person playoff. So a lot of different possibilities here. Um, I think we all kind of have our eyes on the, the group up at the top and don't think that there's 13 teams that will actually go into the last Saturday of the season thinking they have a good chance to make the playoff, but it makes for great content now and a lot of entertaining football Uh, through the rest of November. The way I see it is that there are really two groups um, in this 13-team field, and the group one is the teams that control their own destiny. So all they have to do is win the rest of their games, or maybe if they're undefeated right now, they could even avoid to drop a game if it's the right game um, and still get into the playoff And then the next group is those who need to win all of their games but don't necessarily control their own destiny just because of where they sit in the rankings and who's ahead of them and who they might have lost to um, or even games that they barely won this year uh, will need some help from other teams ahead of them losing in in order to leapfrog into the top four eventually. Uh, So I'll I'll go through all 13 teams and we're going to start at number one with Tennessee in the group of teams that control their own destiny. So obviously, you know, a lot of these teams we're about to talk about will play each other before the season's even over. Um, Tennessee and Georgia have the biggest game of the year coming up in a couple days. And the Vols, if they get past this one, then they are smooth sailing um, onto Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Their only uh, opponent's 
after Georgia are Missouri, then at South Carolina and at Vandy. So, you know, we've seen South Carolina be frisky this year, but nothing that Tennessee shouldn't be able to handle. Um, and if they beat Georgia, win out, make it to the SEC championship game, then let's say hypothetically they play Alabama, even though there's three teams that could still win the SEC West, um, they could afford to lose that game and still get into the playoff because you're a, if you're a 12 and one SEC team that will have been number one all the way up until that final Saturday, then you're going to be okay. Um, so Tennessee, you know, we'll we'll see what happens Saturday. And if they lose to Georgia, then there could still be an interesting argument if they finished 11-1, not play in Atlanta. But in that case, then they're probably looking elsewhere for help um, to get above some. Cro- conference champions in the 14 playoff uh next we'll move on to number two and i have to give a shout out to my good buckeye buddy Kayshawn moore um who i've mentioned on this podcast before he texted me was a little upset about me not uh talking about the playoff rankings in tuesday's podcast i just got a little too busy with the interview and everything else to really be able to dive into this on Tuesday night. So we're doing it here. Um, and I just want to tell Kayshawn, because I know he's listening, that I think it's a little blasphemous that Ohio State is up at number two and Michigan's all the way down at number five. Um, both teams had a rather laughable non-conference schedule and even in-conference schedule. Uh, you know, not not great. Not great competition there for the Buckeyes. They have one decent uh, common opponent in Penn State, Ohio State. While they did have to play on the road at Happy Valley, I don't know how that game didn't end up being a night game, so they kind of benefited from the morning kickoff after Happy Valley had been partying all night. But regardless, they were on the ropes until the fourth quarter. They ended up defeating the Nittany Lions 44-31, to whereas Michigan played Penn State at home, I will say, however, completely handled them 41-17. to Neither Ohio State or Michigan really had any other games all year that were close, except for Ohio State barely beating a very iffy Notre Dame team. Um, and Michigan hasn't had a close game all year. So I don't really, it's not that I have a problem with Ohio State being two. Um, It's just that I don't think they should be two and Michigan should be five because with the very similar schedules and the couple of common opponents, Michigan has looked more formidable. Plus, I feel like we need to kind of throw them a bone for, you know, making the playoff last year and currently having the one game winning streak in the game. So Ohio State and Michigan, obviously, that'll settle itself out here in a few weeks. Ohio State has the grueling test of traveling to Northwestern this Saturday. Good luck with that one. Uh, Then a really tough Indiana squad before going to Maryland uh, the week before the Michigan game. So just a a grueling November for the Buckeyes. Um, Hopefully they can make it to Ann Arbor unscathed because that would be a really, or excuse me, when Michigan goes to Columbus, uh, but that would be a hell of a game if both of those teams are undefeated. So we'll go ahead and just talk about Michigan since I'm on the topic, but they control their own destiny. They have absolutely blown the doors off of everyone this year. 
um, besides a one touchdown win over a Maryland team who I am pretty keen on in all seriousness. Um, but they play at Rutgers this Saturday versus Nebraska the following. Then they get, they get Illinois uh, the week before Ohio State, who is a really tough team this year. We'll talk about them later because they actually only have one loss if you haven't been keeping up with the surprising success of the Illini this season. Um, but it'll all it'll all end in Columbus and whichever team, if they win out, win the game, then they'll easily be able to go to the Big Ten Championship and take care of it. I guess it's looking like Illinois now will come out of the East, uh, who's not bad, but they're not on the same level as Michigan or Ohio State. So both of those two, two teams control their own destiny. However, if they lose in the game and they're sitting there at 11-1 and one, and you can basically lock in the winner of the game to get into the playoff at that point, then they are going to have to do some scoreboard watching. Still have a really good argument, um, but just with the lack of quality wins for both teams, um, and Michigan will have a better better resume than Ohio State leading up into that game if they can knock off Illinois, because um, Ohio State just literally hasn't played anybody all year. So, yeah, we'll see about that, but the game is shaping up to be another classic um, yet again. Moving on to number three, the Georgia Bulldogs. They are sitting at 8-0, and and I bet all the people in Athens were kind of quietly happy about getting that number three ranking and Tennessee being number one leading into this game this Saturday because that's just a little bit more bulletin board material that you don't really normally get when you're Georgia. So, yeah, it'll we'll, we'll just see. Basically, everything I already said about Tennessee, whoever wins that game has the East in a stranglehold and will go on to play the winner of the West and can afford to lose that SEC championship game. But win out and you're in. After Tennessee... Georgia goes to Mississippi State, to Kentucky, and gets the Yellow Jackets at home. So three very, very manageable games there for the Bulldogs if they can just get past the Volunteers on Saturday. Next, we have my team, who is the top-ranked one-loss team, um, but yes, still controls our own destiny. Uh, If the next two teams that we play, LSU and Ole Miss, are the other two teams that have life in the SEC West right now. So those are must-win games for us. Lose one of them, and you're stuck with two losses and probably not going to Atlanta. Um, So you can kiss the playoff wishes goodbye. But yeah, at Death Valley this Saturday, at Ole Miss... Next Saturday, pretty pretty tough one-two punch there with the number 10 and 11 teams in the country, respectively. Then a cupcake uh, before Auburn, and then another cupcake in Auburn, um, which that game's in Tuscaloosa. But yeah, Alabama this week is a big one. Um, I already kind of talked about it a little bit on the last pod, but just take care of business in Death Valley. It's been a dozen years since Bama's lost down there for as much hype as Alabama and LSU and Death Valley at night, and the last couple games really have haven't even been close at all. Um, So we'll see how this one goes with Bama looking a lot cleaner against State than getting a bye week. And I think the team is in a pretty good position. I'm sure it'll be a hard-fought battle, as it always is. um, But I feel pretty good about where where the tide sits going into this one. The problem is, is that historically, the game after LSU, we normally play Mississippi State before they started moving the schedule around a little bit. Um, And that's just notoriously a very, very tough spot for the tide because you just get so beat up and emotionally drained in that LSU game, especially when it's down there in the bayou, um, that it's a classic slip up spot the next week. 
Um, and normally it's against a state team who isn't so good, but this, you know, this Ole Miss team, they can put up some points and you don't want to get on the road, um, you know, by a couple of scores there in the first half, trying to get your legs back under you after the LSU game. So we'll talk about that one more next week, obviously, but that's about it for Bama still controlling their own destiny for the tide. TCU is at number seven. They are the lowest ranked undefeated team. They have just been taking care of business week in, week out in the Big 12. Uh, one of the bigger surprises of the season this year with their first-year head coach, Sonny Dykes, and quarterback Max Duggan, who has looked like a Heisman contender at times this year. TCU, still a pretty tough test going forward for them. They play Texas Tech at home. They're an eight- or a nine-point favorite this Saturday against the Red Raiders, so they should be fine there. Then it gets really tough. They go to Texas and then to Baylor back-to-back weeks. I think that TCU will slip up in one of those before finishing the season against Iowa State at home on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, Texas and Baylor, they're both just really good. Baylor's unranked right now, but I still like them a lot. They had a couple games they shouldn't have lost early in the year, but they've, uh, they've been quietly covering a lot of games for us. So I think either the Horns or the Bears will knock off the Frogs. And just even though the Big, T- the Big 12 is really good this year, it's still the Big 12, and it's hard to imagine a one-loss TCU conference champion making it in over a couple undefeated teams and a couple other one-loss teams from the Big 10 or the SEC. But for now, they're still undefeated, and they'll go as far as their quarterback and coach takes them. So those seven teams all make up the Control Your Own Destiny group. Now we're moving into the next six of the 13 that don't necessarily control their own destiny, at least in my opinion, uh, a.k.a. enter the (laughs) Pac-12, because we've got a lot of them here, and this conference could get really, really crazy the last couple weeks of the season. So number eight is the Oregon Ducks, who sit at 7-1. and Of course, they were embarrassed week one in front of the whole country, losing to Georgia 49-3. to We already talked about how no team has suffered that big of a defeat, uh, just margin of defeat-wise, and then made it into the playoff that same year. And that loss could still come back to haunt them um, down the road, even if they do win out. So Oregon, USC, and UCLA all have one loss. So the Pac-12 could go a lot of different directions right now. And Oregon has a couple really tough games before they can even get to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Not this week. They come to my state and play Boulder, which they should have no problem at all with. I think they're like a 30-point favorite. Then they play the Washington Huskies at home. They should be totally fine. Then the last two weeks of the season, they host number 14 Utah, which I fully expect to be a great game. And the last Saturday of the season, they go go to number 23, Oregon State in the awesome Civil War rivalry there in the state of Oregon. So what if Oregon wins out, beats two really good teams in Utah and Oregon State the last couple weeks of the season, then they'll play probably the winner of USC-UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game, another good ranked win. I guess now that I'm saying this out loud and like really (laughs) reciting the whole thing, it's hard to, I mean... I think it'll still depend on what happens in the SEC 
and the Big uh, the Big Ten, depending on if Oregon. I could just see them sitting at number five and that loss from all the way back in the first weekend of September since they really did get dragged by a team that will probably find itself in the playoff in Georgia. I could see that coming back to haunt them. So even though they'll have a hell of a compelling case for how they've played in every single game since then, if they make it the rest of the way without a loss, that I still could just see them getting passed up, whereas any of the other teams, if they went out, it's just hard for me to imagine that happening. So next at number nine is the USC Trojans. Um, they're at seven and one. Their only loss of the season coming a couple weeks ago at Utah in a one point loss on the road. They have a couple easy games before a couple interesting games, just like Oregon. Um, They play California this week in Los Angeles. Shouldn't be a problem. Colorado next week in Los Angeles won't be a problem. Then they play at UCLA. That was always the last, at least growing up, I swear that was always like the last game of the season. Maybe I'm forgetting, but that's the second to last game of the season now uh, for the uh, battle of the, what do they call that? (laughs) Okay, I can't find it on the Google machine, but there's some funny freeway-inspired uh, nickname for that rivalry, whatever. I'll try to find it before the game. Um, but yeah, anyway, if USC wins all of those and then plays, they could play UCLA again in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, and they play Notre Dame the last week of the season. If I didn't mention that, sorry, I got off, <laughs> off track. Um, but yeah, I, I could still see them sitting on the outside looking in just like Oregon, um, just because they don't really have any impressive wins other than at Oregon State right now, which that's just not going to hold up um, against some th- the other teams that are going to have probably multiple top 10, top 15 wins at the time of the playoff selection show. And then right after the Trojans, well, LSU is the highest ranked team that is not really in the playoff hunt because they already have two losses. Ole Miss sits at number 11. They're definitely on the outside looking in here. Um, They're off this upcoming weekend. They lost a couple weeks ago at LSU by 25, which was a really surprising outcome. Uh, Just the fact that it was that big of a defeat. Because that game was basically a coin flip odds-wise going into it. Um, Then they play Bama, like I said. Oh, that game's already been announced. It's the CBS game next Saturday. Before going to Arkansas, we know things can get kind of weird up there. And then finally hosting Mississippi State on Thanksgiving evening in the Egg Bowl. And we know how that one uh, tends to get wonky year in and year out. So Ole Miss, if they beat Alabama then and were able to knock off Arkansas and Mississippi State, then they would be sitting there at the end of the season 11-1 and with one conference loss. Alabama would have two conference losses. Um, and they would be A-OK. So really interesting case. Not a ton of people are talking about them after they suffered the loss to LSU, but I think it'll be a good game between them and Bama here in a couple weeks. And uh, Ole Miss has never made it to the SEC championship game ever since the game was created in 1992. So they've been hunting for this one for three decades. Maybe this is the type of year where that they need with you know a confident coach, a good quarterback, and uh, a lot of people paying attention to a lot of other teams besides them so we'll see but they are definitely someone to keep an eye on uh, when the tide come to town next Saturday after Ole Miss we have UCLA at number 12 already talked about the UCLA USC game coming up Uh, they play at Arizona 
late night on Saturday. That one is at 9.30 Central Time. Um, then they play Arizona in the Rose Bowl. They host USC in the Rose Bowl, and they play at Cal. So on the final, uh, let's see, that's the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. So USC, or excuse me, UCLA has an easier schedule than either of their other one-loss Pac-12 opponents in Oregon and UCLA. Um, if they can just get past USC, then they'll be sitting pretty in the Pac-12 championship game. UCLA's only loss came at Oregon a couple weeks ago, 45-30, to 30, and they could very well have a chance to avenge that loss um, in their conference championship game and, again, make a pretty good case. Uh, this team has been you know, not getting a ton of attention this year. USC's been kind of stealing all the shine, and Oregon more so lately, how they've come back so strong after that week one plumping and uh, maybe this is the type of season that UCLA needs to sneak in there and make a hell of an argument for themselves to get into the playoff. But like I've said for the other couple teams, just the lack of quality opponents um, that, they, that they have to face. They, ha- they did not have to play. or Yes, they did. They beat Utah. Um, so, you know, they have a couple, two ranked wins at this point between Washington, who is no longer ranked, and Utah. But they could get a couple more and make it interesting, but I could still see them uh, needing one or two other teams to kind of get knocked off and eliminate themselves for UCLA to plummet all the way, or not plummet, uh, skyrocket all the way from 12 to at least number four. Next, a couple of totally random teams that honestly, (laughs) until last week, I didn't even realize had one loss still. Illinois fighting Illini are just taking care of business in the Big Ten East. Um, Definitely not the strongest division in America, but they are doing what they have to do. Their only loss of the season coming week one, which was their second game to Indiana, 23 to 20, which they have to be just completely killing themselves over now because that Indiana squad is nothing to write home about. But since then, they beat Wisconsin, beat Iowa, beat Minnesota, just beat Nebraska. Looking forward, they have a really easy schedule outside of playing Michigan. They play Michigan State at home this Saturday. Purdue at home the following Saturday. Then they go to Ann Arbor, which is probably where they're going to slip up, get their second loss, and get eliminated from playoff contention um, before finally facing Northwestern at home. So Illinois finishing 3-1 and one the rest of the year, completely doable, but finishing 4-0, that's a tall task to, uh, to knock off the Wolverines in the big house. And I don't personally see it happening, but Illinois is a very physical, scrappy team, um, and they could make it interesting there here in three weeks. The problem with Illinois and probably the reason that they're ranked this low with only one loss is because they have squeaked out of a lot of games. And at the end of the day, yes, a win's a win, but not really in the eyes of the playoff committee. So you can't just barely beat all of these subpar teams and expect to be a serious player in the discussion before you get some more truly high caliber wins under your belt in which they only have one good chance to do so. So if it worked out perfectly for them, they beat Michigan and their other three easier foes on the schedule. And then they have to play Ohio state in the big 10 championship. And uh, yeah, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) Um, 
Lastly, the 13th and final team who does not control their own destiny necessarily. And I did not realize that this team was 7-1. and one, But the North Carolina Tar Heels, after the dumpster fire that they were the first few weeks of the season, barely escaping App State Week 1, barely escaping Georgia State Week 2, losing to Notre Dame Week 3. At that point, it looks like, okay, this team is just... They are going to crash and burn, probably end, end up back in the Mayo Bowl like they were last year. They handled business at VT. That's not really saying much. Then they beat Miami by three, Duke by three, and beat Pitt pretty comfortably. So again, much like Illinois, yes, congratulations, a win's a win, but you can't beat this horrible Miami team by three points and then the next week Duke by three points and expect to just all of a sudden be in the top six or seven teams um, in the playoff ranking because it's a very shaky seven and one. They go to Virginia this Saturday, which should be very easy. Uh, Virginia does not have a good squad this year. Then they play at Wake Forest. I'll probably take Wake Forest to win that game. Uh, They play Georgia Tech in three weeks, easy win. And then NC State, the final game of the season, um, which right now feels like a toss up to me. So North Carolina, I mean, they could go 4-0 um, and play Clemson in the ACC championship game, um, but it's probably unlikely. I see 3-1 and one, or worst-case scenario, probably 2-2 two and two finish for the Tar Heels. Um, and even if they did make it all that way and you know beat Wake Forest, beat NC State, beat Clemson, they still have to climb from 17 to 4, so they're they're looking they're looking for other teams to lose up on the way cuz if we're just being honest, like they're not making it over a team like say Tennessee goes 12 and 0 then loses in the SEC Championship game. There's just no way this North Carolina team is going to be put ahead of a team like that from the SEC. So, yeah, that's what happens I guess when you only beat Miami and Duke by 3 points, but a win's a win like some people like to say. So that's that. But yeah, that's those 13 teams that have life right now. Um, Some a lot more so than others. Um, But a pretty exciting November slate. I mean, the Pac-12 last couple weeks of that season is going to be awesome. This weekend in the SEC is going to be awesome. Um, You know, the game already looking forward to it. So we'll see. TCU has a couple really great tests on the road in Texas and Baylor. So just a lot of great games every week from here to the end of the season. Um, I hope this helped kind of maybe put a map to this, you know, road to the playoff a little bit going forward and hopefully make some of these games a little bit more enjoyable because you just, you know, when they do the playoff show, they announce the whole top 25, but like the graphic that they tweet out on ESPN, it only shows the top six, but there's a lot more teams than just six that can make it. Uh, 13 to be exact as of today, but that number will get smaller and smaller with every Saturday game day that passes. Um, So yeah, enjoy your Saturdays, um, enjoy your weddings for those of us who will be at those. And uh, yeah, roll tide. Bye.